I, I go somewhere and like teams go on a run. Mate, I went like, like to, like to Rome in January, Champions League semi final for yes, Roma. Yes. Where else did I go in some? Went to Barcelona, beat PSG 6 1. Yeah, not going to go on and win it. Hello and welcome to Technically Speaking. I'm Peter. I'm joined here in this special underwater edition with Aaron McAleese. Um, we say that we're underwater because we're currently not in our studio, nor do we have a normal mic. Uh, this has been recorded off my laptop. And it's uh, very, very high res. Um, so I'm here visiting Aaron's new gaff, um, and uh, we thought we'd record a wee podcast while I was here. Um, now, you will have heard the iconic Takeshi's Castle music to kick us off. Yes. Um, we're currently watching the Belgium-Japan Belgium game, and uh, at the moment, <coughs> Japan are 2-1 up against Belgium. And uh, it's quite apt because Alan, you have uh, just returned from a two-week trip from Japan. Japan I have indeed. Uh, was was fantastic. Now we do have a confession to make. Yes. And Alan, you can. Uh, the rumours are true. Before I went away, we recorded all three episodes in one night, back to back. Um, which probably by by last week's episode, that's probably why we seemed a bit mad. <laughs> towards the end and that is why we were pushed for time as well because we had to it was half eleven it was half eleven last thought, train home we thought we would be in and out in a couple of hours but it actually turned into like five hours five hours, six hours uh, something like that because the amount of time it takes us to put together these uh, hilarious intros mm-hmm. and uh, all the other nonsense and then just taking breaks and stuff I it wound up being half past eleven so um, I mean, we build this one in social media as a part two, as if it was a, as if we left you on a cliffhanger yes. in part one. But we didn't. Uh, but we're going to pick up where we left from from last weekend. But what, what we're going to do is, I'm I'm eager to get a catch up from Aaron. But so he's um, he's refrained from telling me too much about his trip. Yeah. So Aaron, I'm going to put it bluntly to you. How was your trip? It was fantastic. The full thing was fantastic. If anybody is thinking about going or is on the fence about going. Do it, definitely do it. And if anybody's thinking about going on a big holiday anywhere, but doesn't quite know where they want to go or what they want to do, then I would definitely recommend going to Japan because it was just like a, a fantastic experience. I'm not going to lie. Good. Now, for those who listened a couple of weeks ago, we do know that you had your fair share of drama. Yes. Getting yourself booked up, the change in regulation. Um, fill us in on who that was. Um, I know that sounds really boring when I say fillers in and regulation. For those who weren't, who haven't listened to the previous podcast, basically on, was it June 1st or June 15th? June, well, on June the 1st, the Japanese government announced a legislation change that would come into force on June the 15th. Um, Which was when you just before you were about to leave? Yes, we left on June the 13th, arrived in the morning of June the 14th in Tokyo. So you couldn't have timed this much worse. No. <laughs> uh, so it basically meant that all Airbnb listings in Japan had to be registered, licensed uh, to, to be like of use and could only be rented out for 180 days a year. 
So this is to prevent the, the hotel industry from collapsing? Yes, because apparently uh, the hotel industry invested when Tokyo 2020 was announced, especially because obviously the majority of Airbnb lessons are in Tokyo. Yep. Um, when Tokyo got announced, was it in 2012? Maybe it had yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, because um, it, all, it was happening around the London Olympics. Uh, uh, the hotel industry obviously like went in big. You pour money when you know the Olympics is coming. Uh, so, and then obviously the rise of Airbnb in the past couple of years has meant that nobody... Well, I mean, it was probably on the rise then, but it is just exponentially growing. Yeah, I think it's now at a point where when you're going to a city... Oh my God, it's 2-2. Two, two. Sorry. Um yeah, I think it's got to a point where when you are going to a city, one of the things that you will inevitably do is check Airbnb as well as uh-huh. hotel websites. So I'd imagine the hotel companies, but did, did they lobby the government I, the I same think way? They put pressure on the government, definitely. Got you. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. The, ho- the hotels get annoyed uh, at Airbnb, but people are going. People are fickle. They don't care about like if you've been going to Hilton hotels all over the world for like. 20 years and then all of a sudden for the same price in the same city and like a, even at an even better location I find most of the time you can get an entire flat a luxury flat for 30% less yeah I think I think what really surprises me is say like you look at the mobile phone industry when so in America you've got AT&T, Verizon, you've got T-Mobile. T-Mobile are like the smaller company, yeah. but they've been like disrupting the industry. So they started offering like unlimited data. They started doing like so you could travel abroad and it, they wouldn't charge you anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than like all the other companies getting annoyed, they had to adapt to yeah. become competitive. And what I'm really struggling is these hotel companies aren't doing anything to become competitive. They're just trying to eliminate the opposition. Well, I think. I think there's a, there's a few good points that you've raised there because I think I think there's a few things that, that contribute to that. Uh, I obviously, I prefer Airbnb to a hotel despite the fact I work in a hotel. This is true. Uh, so I can see it from both sides. I think the hotel industry, um, because nothing... I mean, that's a, a, I mean, when will hotels have become a big thing? But I think this is the first time... Probably ever the hotel industry's actually been challenged. Yeah, I mean, you look at alternatives to hotels like lodges and all that type of yeah. stuff, but there's never really been a true alternative uh-huh. to a hotel. They've kind of been used to a monopoly where Hilton have to compete against Radisson, but they're not uh-huh. having to compete with Joe from Valencia, who's got an amazing penthouse and he's not there for three months of the year, so he's able to put that up and earn a uh-huh. bit of money on it. Like, it's a totally different dynamic, and um, I mean, it totally disrupts the full pricing model of hotels. And the thing as well is, like, the fact that hotels have to meet safety standards, have to meet cleanliness standards. But that's now getting to Airbnb's standards as well. well. They're now getting to that. They're getting to the same place. That's because hotels all over the world have put... Because obviously, to be like, the majority of big hotel companies, Hilton and Radisson, the two you've mentioned... Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, like Marriott as well. Dakota. Come, well, no, not quite, but eventually. Um, <laughs> massive hotel chains are multinational because they have to be multinational. Yeah. Um, so they've put pressure on governments all around the world, I think, to make like 
Airbnb have to do more and I think that's why it's happening. Um, and as well, I think Airbnb at the start was seen as a, a cheaper alternative to... Uh, well, not a cheaper alternative, but an alternative to people who would normally stay in hostels. But, yes, um, totally agree with you. As someone who stays in, who stayed in a lot of hostels, Airbnb has become a really good viable alternative. Uh huh. And I think as well now, basically, what's happening is Airbnb now wants to cater to because they know they've got that lockdown. Now wants to cater to more business guests with Airbnb Plus, where you've got to meet like a hundred different standards to to be like that higher level of home where you can charge more, and it's good for hosts. It's good for um, guests as well, so that's fair enough. But I, and I think the hotel industry is basically just its nose has been put at a joint by totally. And but I mean, I think that's fair enough because, as you say, there's been a monopoly on it, and it was getting to a stage where what, what really surprises me is why these hotel companies haven't went after Airbnb directly. Like, obviously, they've put pressure on the government, so the people in power. I could imagine a situation where nearly like in. And especially in politics, you'll get um, like smear campaigns. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really easy for someone like Hilton to be like, um, you know, Airbnb's not secure. Airbnb, you don't know what the place is going to be like. Airbnb, it's not been cleaned properly. Well, I think I think it's been really surprising that there's been nothing like that. Well, I think they might have tried to do that because obviously, and it's the same way like taxi drivers and Uber, as we'll probably get back on to because we spoke about that last time as well. I think horror stories are leapt upon uh, with Airbnb and Uber and is it Lyft as well uh, so I think that that happens but I mean in terms of cleanliness and stuff I've probably been in cleaner Airbnbs than I have been in hotel rooms to be honest and uh, I, I, I just feel that the hotel industry became too comfortable and now the Airbnb started to get bigger and bigger and bigger it's just very very it's just struggled to react. See, because it has been just the same for so long. Yeah. And people have been getting ripped off. It's just sort of been like lumbering about. Well, that's the nature of a multinational as well. A multinational is not able to be as nimble and be as kind of able mm-hmm. to pivot as fast as a company like Airbnb can, you know. Mm-hmm. Hilton's full of these old white executives that yeah. don't really care. They just want to get their money. Whereas Airbnb is this hot hip startup in the middle of Silicon Valley, like all, uh-huh. like it's a totally different vibe of how they're how they're kind of attacking the marketplace. But uh, aye, how was Japan otherwise? I'm curious. Uh, it was just talk me through it. The holiday of a lifetime, to be honest. So we landed in Tokyo. Um, we got in at we landed at nine in the morning in Tokyo. We then. Picked up our portable Wi-Fi, picked up our real passes, went to the Airbnb we were staying in, got there. And got drunk. So, no, no, <laughs> we, we emailed, we basically emailed the guy asking if we'd drop the bags off, because the bags were obviously heavy and you've been logging them about. He said yes, we went in. What a gentleman. We said to him... Do Would you mean, see a hotel doing that? <laughs> exactly. We got that to him, uh, do you mind if we just sit in the room, because we're like, really jet-lagged, just want to just rest for a bit rather than go about somewhere. He's like, ah, that's fine. So basically, we got an early check-in. This was about half one. Uh, awesome. Half an hour later, fell asleep. Oh, yes. <laughs> Woke up at 11 o'clock at night, the two of us. So it was just like that. Right, Gemma, get ready. We're, go- we're going to walk. We walked so around. the jet-lag started well. <laughs> yes, we, wa- we walked around 
for uh, best part of six or seven hours. We went to a shrine called Meiji Jingu Shrine. And at that time of night, was it scary? Was it daunting? No, it wasn't scary. Um, it was busy in terms of traffic, but not in terms of people. There weren't a lot of people. I mean, is that just because Tokyo is such a busy place in general? There's always traffic. Yeah. Um, it was just mainly taxis at that time. Uh, but Tokyo is like truly just a 24 hour city. Because we went out at the first thing, well, one of the first things we did when we went out was go get ramen at two in the morning. That's like a drunk, drunk in a, food in a, thing. In a 24-hour ramen restaurant. So that was our breakfast, essentially. And then we walked about, as I said, we went to Meiji Jingu Shrine for the opening at five in the morning. So we went to a shrine and there was like no one there. Amazing. Uh, and it was like this big, it's like a 700 metre walk from the gate to the shrine mm -hmm. and you walk up and it was just like this massive like I mean it must have been about about 50 metres wide as you walk up and then you walk up and round and then you get to the shrine because there was nobody there you kind of get you get what it's meant to feel like okay because we went to shrines and <coughs> temples later and other cities and Tokyo as well that were just mobbed yeah so it takes away from it uh -huh, it, really, it really does because obviously like it's Shinto, which is the religion that's practiced there, most prevalently, is about being peaceful and just being a nice person. There's not like a god. I mean, I don't, I don't. Know that what, sounds cool. This, get, this gets into a, like. Are the, you ready to preach? Are you ready to become a no, no, Shinto just, minister? This gets into a different sort of realm from what we normally talk about. But oh, jump in! We've got a bit of time. I don't think you could say that it's. A theistic religion at all, from what I've gathered from it. Yes, just in what sense? Like having, having a god. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's more about individuals just being good people. Um, so it's like a moral compass as a religion, pretty, you just Pretty say? much, uh -huh. That's cool. Um, and then, so that, that was day one. We basically we had an Airbnb experience booked that night as well, which was like cocktail tasting. So we tried eight cocktails. Yeah, starting um, off like a Scotsman. Well, that was the thing. We seen we seen the whiskies and stuff, and then there was a Japanese guy there who seen that we were Scottish and bought us each a Japanese whiskey. We then bought him a Scottish one, sat and spoke to him the full night in broken English through Google Translate. Oh really? What um, was that like? So if I was a guy. Were you guys literally just typing on your phone? Uh -huh, well, just typing because obviously I didn't want to talk into it because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have picked anything up and then he would have been like, what the fuck are you going on? <laughs> Excuse my French. Uh, and then we... Oh, what was I going to say? I thought we were speaking to him and stuff and then... Then you were steaming. You were well, very drunk. Uh -huh, well, I was talking to him about like, whiskey and that because obviously that's how the full sort of thing started. And he was like... So how did he know that you were Scottish? Because he's seen us looking at the whiskies and then we'd been talking to the guy behind the bar. Ah. And he asked the guy behind the bar. Are they Scottish? Uh-huh. And he said yes and then, like, it all stemmed from there. But um, That's he, so cool. <laughs> I know. He, um, like, roles reverse in terms of, like, social, like, I don't know what you'd call it, but if two Japanese people walked into a bar in Glasgow, I would not be inclined to buy them a Scottish whiskey. No. Like, that's just so cool. I know. Uh, so, especially if I was myself. Yeah. Uh, oh, there was something I was going to say. Aye. 
so we were saying we were from like Glasgow and he was like ah uh, so basically the person who like took whiskey to Japan studied at Glasgow Uni uh, and like, I think it was like 192 or something like that and then he took it back over like because he came over here to learn all about how like how the Scots make whiskey what makes it so good cool. and I think he took it back over to Japan and then obviously that time I got my student card out with that being where I went to uni and then they were all like the, the, two, the, the guy behind the bar and the guy who we were talking to were like oh, oh my god like Oh really? That's then, so oh, cool. That so weird. And then uh, so Glasgow Uni is like this like famed place in Japan for whiskey. Maybe if you're into your whiskey, then I think you would probably be. Um, and then after that, we went home, basically just collapsed because we were so tired. Cause we've been up for like more than twenty four hours at that point. <laughs> and then the next few days in Tokyo were good. We've seen a few things. Uh, including a Tokyo Masonic Society. The Masons are in Tokyo. The Masons yes. are in Tokyo? And then Did they do you a wee funny handshake? Oh, aye, the wee, the wee, the wee pinky. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And I know someone, I know someone. On the way back round, like, so we, I'll, I'll explain, like, I'll, I'll go through this quicker than I have done so far. We came back chop, to chop. Tokyo at the end. Yes, so you did, like, a round trip. Yeah. Uh, basically, like, a lap. Um, a lap of Japan, I like that. That... What, I think it was the penultimate night. Uh, the penultimate evening we, in Tokyo. <laughs> we walked by the Tokyo Scientology building. Yes. Tom Cruise, I hello. Could just, uh, I could just hear John Travolta. <laughs> uh, that was also very, very strange. Oh, could you see inside? Like, what do There you were windows, but you couldn't really see anything because we were, we were viewing it from afar anyway. Um... But anyway, we'll, like, from Tokyo, the first time we were there, we went to Kyoto. But on the day that we were travelling, uh-huh. we... Oh, were, I remember this story. There was an earthquake in what? Osaka. Yes. So Tokyo's not... No, Tokyo's nowhere near Osaka no. in an earthquake sense. Um, but Kyoto is very near Osaka yes. in an earthquake sense, half an hour on a train. Um, so we were like that. What do we do? Because... Trains are all going to be off. There's been an earthquake. Are we going to get ScotRail? So, oh, thank God, ScotRail weren't involved. ScotRail would have had trains off for your full holiday. Oh, aye. Oh, 100%, definitely. So, the earthquake hits. Uh, Do you go to the train station and everyone's just kind of standing there bemused? Well, the first thing I did was go into my travel insurance. Ah, uh, yes, I like that. Thing. I'm not afraid to name and shame here because it is shame. Sainsbury's Bank. Right. Um, natural disasters were an optional extra to the travel insurance, what? which I had not purchased. Because I basically went on and controlled death, earthquake. <laughs> 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 and it was a uh, section eleven of the policy, which was an optional extra, and I was like, ah, no, oh, no, 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 this, this can't be right. So I was like, ah, we either. Get to Kyoto today, or you're gonna have to pick another night. We have to pay for something. So at that point, I was like, "Yeah, right. We just go to Tokyo Station and see what's happened because that's where we have to get the the, the Shinkansen from." So the Shinkansen, Shinkansen, Shinkansen. Uh, we got the train from Shinjuku Station, which is the busiest uh, railway station in the world. 
How was it? Uh, what was it busy? What did it make Glasgow Central look like? Um, it made Glasgow Central look like Mount Vernon. Shinjuku Station, I think it can take, well, averages... What's your capacity? Averages 3.6 million passengers a day. A day? <laughs> so Where are people going? I know, I know, that, this is what I was thinking, right? Like... A day? How big is it? It's huge. It is like is it gar- like an airport? Uh-huh. And there's like a shopping centre, like two or three shopping centres attached to it. And then what? you can walk like two or three streets away from the actual main entrance uh-huh. underground to another exit of the station. That's how big it what is. What the hell? Um, and that wasn't the only station like that. Other stations were that big. Um, so... Who made a station in Osaka? Was it really difficult to find your platform? Sorry. Uh, no. Because, no. Uh, because, because obviously, with it being Japan, everything is just. It's like that is a gargantuan train station. It's huge. Yeah. But because everything's signposted so well, and everything, even even in English, it was signposted well, then it works. Um, so we went from there over to Tokyo Station. Which took, I mean, it's opposite ends of Tokyo, but there's a rapid line service that runs right across the heart of the city. That's cool. Rather than having to go on the Yamanote line, which is like the line if you're a tourist in Tokyo. Yamanote. Yeah, it goes all the way around. You the, just go, you just like are you the man on the keys? I am the man on the keys. Uh, Alan's typing busiest so train stations. Basically, I looked up the 51 busiest train stations in the world, and uh, I was at four out of the, oh, the top four. You were? Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, you're totally right. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It is all Japan. Why are Japanese people travelling so much? Uh, just because they have to. I'll tell you, actually, out of the top 20, I visited 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 out of the top 20 busy streets. Were they all wildly busy? Yes. Like, when you say wildly busy, like, how long are you having to queue? Give me, get, get, try and give us a sense of what it was actually like. Uh, well, the, the, the example that I've got, which is the busiest, okay. was we were making back to Tokyo, we were staying uh, in, right in the heart of Koreatown, uh, and the nearest station to us was at, like a five minute walk away, it was great, it was called Shin Okubo Station, which is one station north of Shinjuku Station on the Yamano Tailing. So we were at that station, um, we got there during rush hour just because that was the sort of time we were travelling. So rush hour in Japan is so big that it's two hours long. Oh wow. So it's <laughs> half seven to half nine in the morning and half five to half seven at night. We got there at like twenty five to seven. Slap <laughs> banging in the rush hour. So we're looking to get on a Yamanote line train. Um each Yamanote line train is ten carriages long. Okay. There's prob like the vast majority of uh, Trains are all in the carriage. Most of the spaces are standing because they know loads of people have to stand. Okay. Um, Try to find an image here that we could potentially post. 
sticking the show notes even. Uh huh, just to show you the sort of. <coughs> This is the interior. This is a typical interior of a Yamanote train. Right? So it looks pretty similar to like a London tube train, mm. but there's a, it's a lot wider in the middle, and you're standing a lot more. Uh, we have a visitor. We're going to pause the podcast. We will be back. Jump cut time. We're back. <laughs> we are indeed. Uh, what was I saying? Aye, so just a wee side update. Japan have lost against Belgium. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sad times. We are gutted. But, uh, so wait, 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 ah, you were telling us about um, these. You're telling trains. us about this experience. So that's mm-hmm. how big the trains are. They've got ten carriages. Oh, so you can imagine rush how many people you could get on that yes. train. If we go into the station and there's ten carriages of this train pull in, rammed full of people. Already? Yes. People get off. See, because it's a circular line, it's just a loop. Yeah. There's never like an end point where everyone gets off, so it's just constantly busy during rush hour. See, that's weird because on our subway there is Buchanan Street. Uh huh. Or Hilton. Like as much as it's a circle, there's two key stops where everyone gets off. But because Tokyo's so big and you've got Shinjuku on one side and Tokyo on the other, it will just be busy the full way down. So people got off, people got on because you obviously queue and then you get on the train. How long were you queuing for? Well. You couldn't get on the train, there was that many people on it, so we waited for the next one. A minute later, behind us, the train going in the opposite direction in the circle, another 10 carriage train, one minute later, pulls in, going the opposite direction, filled with people. Oh my god. That train leaves, a minute after that, our train comes in that we get on, that is... So you waited two minutes? 10 carriages, filled with people again. But because we were first in the queue, we got on the train. So then we were going round, I can't remember where we were going. But we're going round the loop and you can obviously see the trains on the other side as you keep going. And every single 10 carriage train at every single stop was filled with people. And that's one line in Tokyo. I don't know how many trains are in Tokyo. So I, basically what you're saying is the trains are the train stations are busy, but the reason that it's not humongously busy feeling is just because of the frequency? Uh-huh. But, I mean, the trains are busy, but it's good because... Dropped a pen. <laughs> Look how old. <laughs> uh, Sorry, any headphone users? It is never like unpleasant when you're on a train that busy because everybody's quiet. Because basically, what the Japanese sort of um, mantra is with public transport is that if you're quiet and everybody's quiet, then everybody has like an okay time because it's so busy whereas if everybody's talking then you're just all like that oh my god because when we were on the flight back the flight from Japan to Paris where we connected was silent the full flight that's weird and then we got on the flight from Paris to Edinburgh and it was definitely loud in comparison uh huh like it was so loud people just kept talking (laughs) And it was just... Did it take you a while to adjust when you came back? Uh, well, I've not really been on public transport since, so... You'd be triggered the next time you know Oh, I'll, honestly, I'll be going mad. But aye, like, that's how that's how busy it is. Like, ten carriages, you could, you could, you could probably make it... would be over a thousand people on each train, probably. And it was just silence. Uh-huh. That's but, amazing. I mean, that is great, because it just makes sense. Just yeah. Everybody be quiet. Nobody talks on the phone. Obviously, that's a big no-no that everybody talks about. I've just looked up the Shinjuku station. Uh, 
fuels 1.26 billion passengers a year. And Shibuya Station, which is about three stops on the Amino line, is 1.09 billion a year. So it's a uh, it's pretty, it's pretty hectic. So, because of this public transport, you didn't really have to use Uber or anything like that. It was all. Uh, we got one taxi because I really wanted to get a taxi because they just look cool. Right, okay. They're like retro looking cars. I've got some photos which I'll post on the old socials. Um, yeah, you can follow us at Technically Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, across all platforms. I've been in charge of the socials, and uh, I'm just going to say my photoshopping skills have been put to use recently. So if you ever want to see that, <laughs> we've got that was a fantastic um, effort from you, Pete. That I one. must admit, I was very proud. The I one mean, of you singing was my favourite. Yeah, Pavarotti, the the quite blatant fat joke. <laughs> it was not a fat yeah, joke. It was quite so, a good sign. So that's what the taxis look like. Oh man, they look like something in the seventies. Uh, well, I think that's the thing. See, because Japan's. Oh, by the way, that photo as well. What a photo! Well, what I, what I was going to say was it, it, later on, but I may as well say it now. Because we spoke about the phone, I was getting so much, and the fact I wanted to get this phone because it's got a good camera. I think a good thing would be for me on Instagram to pick my 10 favourite photos do it. post them just so do you can it. see how good well it displays how good the camera is and you know what um, you should do over 10 posts not one post because uh-huh. we need to get that content uh-huh. content <laughs> game going um, we're going to find all the Japanese hashtags on Twitter we will be having a thousand we'll listeners famous a week. in Japan yes uh, so this was abroad in Japan collab hello Chris Mr. Broad. <laughs> uh, we had a whole radio stick channel. Yes. We got, we were in Hiroshima and we got in a taxi and it was from our Airbnb to Hiroshima station because we just couldn't be bothered lugging the, uh, the, 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 lugging the luggage, lugging the luggage, say? lugging the suitcases you've, on, you've got away with on the on. tramway uh, <laughs> that they had there. So it was just like we got in it and so basically, you flag a taxi, the taxi driver pulls in, he oh, then got, the door opens automatically, the back door, right. just opens, uh, and then he got out, helped his work cases into the boot, closed the boot open, you get in the taxi, the door shuts, automatically, what? just shuts itself, and then at the other end, obviously, the door opens, you get out, get your, get your luggage and stuff, and then, has he got a wee button, has he got a wee button that he's pressing? I, I think he might. Yeah. Because imagine that detection went wrong. Mm. My leg. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My leg. So SpongeBob joke for anyone. It was a. Uh, it was. It was so like because I wanted to because I knew it was a thing. Yes. So I was like definitely doing that. Uh, other things I was trying to think about that I wanted to speak about. Oh, there was, there was another wee photo of a taxi as well. Oh, they look amazing those um, photos, man. We went to the busiest pedestrian crossing in the world as well. I've seen, I've seen that before. My uh, auntie went over to Japan and she took... Did you do the time-lapse or did a time-lapse. Um, I think it can be upwards of three or 4,000 people per oh time crossing. Oh my God. People in Japan just love travelling, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. So this is... I'll post this time-lapse on the socials. Now, are these, are these guys all... Um, they're all tourists or are they a lot of... I would say probably about... 50-60% tourists. So you do still have 1.5 thousand people every minute or so. <laughs> locals yes. going across that uh, pedestrian cross. They must hate it. Uh, they must they absolutely must hate, hate it. it. I hate going across Union Street and Gordon Street. Aye. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine that. Like, oh, 
it, we've obviously walked over it as well and it's quite um, is it intense it can be because you get just idiots who will like walk into the middle of, run into the middle of the road to get ahead of everyone and then stand there so you're already halfway across the road by that point we'll stand there recording and then still be there when the lights went green for no, the cars to go and no, you're like what are you doing no. people are trying to drive and there's just idiots stood there trying to take a selfie no so if you get ran over you deserve it totally um, the bullet trains as well were something of the oh so, something else so have you ever been on a kind of fast train over here in the UK like a virgin train I've been on a virgin train yeah how was it in comparison to uh, that night and day really the leg room on those trains see if you see if you sat in any chair and reclined in the chair yes and then put your legs out straight your uh-huh. feet would probably just touch the back of the chair in front of you that's a lot of room that is so much room it's so good see when you're just wanting to like because obviously it can be quite a lengthy journey um, that's really cool how they've built that in aye what was it I was listening to I think I was listening to the Abroad in Japan podcast and they were talking about how easy it is to clean trains as well uh-huh. I don't know if you've seen this well, they're able to clean it in 7 minutes or uh-huh. something. the train pulls into its terminal station we, we got this we got our first taste of this at the airport so the train pulls into its like the, the terminus Okay. everybody gets off and then all the doors are still stay open but some like so in each carriage I think there may be two carriages per cleaner the cleaner goes on has like a wee bell type thing that hooks onto the door handles and it says cleaning in progress and he goes in with a hoover cleans it all but at the same time they just like press a button on the chair and the chair flips so he does that walks down the what? carriage the chairs turn around so they're facing the direction that you're travelling and he cleans and it at the same time all the chairs facing the direction of travel yes so, so it's not like ScotRail where some of them are facing the other way no uh, I don't know are they all tables of two or all things of two uh, on so the Shinkansen that we got from uh, Tokyo to Kyoto and Osaka back to Tokyo were two oh no they were three and two oh okay okay, okay. Uh, but the Shinkansen we got to Hiroshima and back were two and two it's a bit they, small they were great <laughs> the seats were wider and the armrests were like wide so you could both use the armrest because oh, we basically went at like quite a busy time so we weren't sitting together on a couple of our trains but you could still just sit use your armrest you had your own space you didn't feel like you were invading the other person's space um, that's always nice I don't think I've ever felt like that on a Scotrail train no uh, so it was good in that sense as well I just think that I mean in the sense of like everyday life and everyday technology see everybody says oh Japan is light years ahead it's not it's just that it sounds like they're very efficient that's the exact words we use they're just so much more efficient with the technology that they have so because one, the one I always think about when it comes to Japan and it's probably similar for places like Hong Kong where the rent is so expensive mm-hmm. but I've watched, started watching this guy on YouTube I cannot remember the name of it but <clears throat> what he does is go around the world finding people who live in really small houses. Oh. 90% of the episodes are in, are in Japan. Aye. And uh, every single owner talks about how a lot of them are expats that he'll talk to. Mm-hmm. And, he'll be, and they'll be like, um, 
when I was moving to Japan, half the stuff I've bought for this apartment, I didn't know existed. Like, they're just, there's so many things are just uh-huh. so innovative with the space and the constraints that they do so much with it. Obviously, uh, So that's at the low end. I can't imagine what being at the high end of, like, business travel, mm-hmm. which is essentially what you were doing as a tourist. But the Airbnb wasn't, the Airbnbs we were in obviously weren't pure mansions. They weren't completely spacious, but... Cozy. Uh-huh. They, fe- they felt big enough. But, like, at the same time, it's st- like they are really efficient with their space and they're really efficient with their everyday life. Like, their travel... They're really efficient because, like, do you know that way? Like, on, when you go to the, the subway in Glasgow, which is the example we keep coming back to, you've got a 12 minute wait, and that's obviously to let enough people get on the train for it to be worth running. Yes. But. Because it used to be more frequent. Mm-hmm. But I think they realised they were losing money doing that. No, well, I mean, it varies at each time of day. So you've got half eight in the morning at like, the busiest time, it'll be and it'll be like a two minute wait or a three minute wait. But then when you go, like, Half eight at night, it'll be a 12 minute wait. I experienced it many a time myself. You just miss one, you'd go down 12 or 14 minute wait, and you're like, my god. But I don't know what I don't know what it is, but obviously they do that there. But I think it's just because there's so much more people, they have, the trains have to run more frequently. So it's just, it's just mass. Uh huh. So I don't know what it would be like in, when, because obviously the Japanese population's in decline. I think by the year 2050, Japan's population. Well, there's that, and it's just that it's probably the most developed country. Because obviously, like Monaco and that, and Liechtenstein, and all the tax havens have like pure rich old people, because that's where all the rich white men go. Yes. But Japan, in terms of a country of that size, is the most developed in the world. Yeah. So the population just isn't growing because people have careers, people. Like basically, all it's it's everything to the nth degree as to why people don't have families and don't have kids. Because uh, I think it was a thing that around the turn of the century there were like three countries in the world where a declining population. It was Germany, Japan, and Scotland were the three. Scotland had a declining population. Surely uh, not now. No, I don't think. I think it's grown slightly. But we've just got old people in our country. I don't uh, think our youth have developed. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that the Oh, so the population is going to decline. So I don't know if that will have an impact on it. I don't know because the tourism industry is growing, yeah. which is really weird. It's like it's probably offsetting. Uh-huh. Well, well that's, aye, that's a good shout, actually, because Japan's went from 8 million tourists five years ago to 30 million tourists last year. Yeah, I'd read something uh, similar to that, yeah. So, so and to, it's only grown more in then Tokyo 2020 Olympics. And that's just going to be huge. The Rugby World Cups next year in Japan as well. So it's going to be like, and I think they bid for the 20, if not the 2018, the 2022 World Cup. But they didn't get it, get it uh, because of corruption, etc. Uh, God bless Mexico, <laughs> North America and Canada. Uh, so, it, I mean... The infrastructure's there. It will definitely be fine. Um, but it's just, it's, oh, everything's just so much more efficient. But what I was saying, what I was going to say was, we're in my living room now. This is probably twice the size of any living room we were in in any Airbnb. Oh, wow. But that living room had TV, no couch, bed. So you, so you'd like, sleep where you 
sit and watch TV, which isn't good for you. No. Because you're not supposed to do that. Because your body's supposed to think, when it sees a bed, I want to be tired. No, I'm going to sit and watch telly or do oh. that. That's like a... So it's a psychological thing uh-huh. there as well? well. That, so I think that could be why... In the work culture, and that's obviously a lot more like full on. And the work culture is so demanding, uh-huh. which I think is cool because I'm one of those people who likes to be productive and uh-huh. work hard, hustle, and all that buzzword um, um, rubbish. Um, and I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, it, they're not that far ahead in terms of technology. I would say they're probably a bit further ahead, but not massively so. They're just better with the technology mm-hmm. as well. In terms, in terms of robotics. That's amazing. Quite far ahead because there would be certain like short motion walk in there. There'd be a robot that would be there and uh, would like sense you walking by and then turn round and offer you a handshake when you walked by. What? And ask you a question in Japanese. You'd be like, I'm Scottish. Please do not talk to me. (laughs) In Scotland, we do not talk to each other in Uh shopping centres. So. Off, but like in terms of everyday <laughs> technology, it's not, uh, not as far ahead as people make out. But they're just so yeah, much I think I think I think we're in a place now where when one technology emerges, it tends to be used everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's certain cultural differences, like um, everyone talks about when you go to Japan, the toilets can be really weird. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's obviously like certain things where the technology is adapted. Oh, but there's no reason that we couldn't have that here. It's just that it's not, it's not. the done thing. Yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah. Um, but there's not like one blatant thing that when you go to Japan, technologically, that you go, why is that not being no, used I mean, here? Everybody's using an iPhone or an Android phone. Everybody's got like an HD or OLED TV. Everybody's None of that got, plasma nonsense? No, not any, not anymore. Uh, uh, yeah, was it was it like the the screen burn or whatever you want to call burn, it? Screen burn, yeah. Uh, everybody uses a Mac or a, a, a like equivalent. I like it's not in yeah. that sense. It's just that they've developed a way to just have I don't, I don't even know just to just to make everything easier. For I them. think I think you've you've you're kind of going over what you've said already. They're mm-hmm. using the same technology but just using it more efficiently and being a bit more creative yeah. with it, which is really cool. Because I thought to myself, like I've been talking about this all day for a while, so I'll try and try and link it back to what we're actually. I like about. it. No, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting because I think a lot of our listeners probably have never been to Japan. No. I think me and you are in a, in a unique position where I've listened to a lot of stuff about Japan and you've mm-hmm. now been to Japan. Yeah. So we're probably coming from a slightly more well-informed mm-hmm. position than probably a lot of people who, who are listening. But um, but yeah, it's really cool. What I would say is, and this is what I'd kind of put in the planning, this is going to be the worst transition ever, mm-hmm. is what I wanted to kind of round up with was what did you think overall of the gig economy in Japan? Now, I know that you'd already said that Uber doesn't, it's only Uber Black over there, so you've not really, you didn't really use that because who's no. going to pay those ridiculous prices? But drama aside, you said that you were kind of happy with the Airbnb. The quality of the Airbnb, the cleanliness of the Airbnbs that we were in, the experiences, or the experience that we did, um, was great. The, the only, the one hiccup we had was that one of them cancelled while we were there. Not, that not in the actual horrible. location, but like when we were a few days away. Um, but I looked, like in terms of cleanliness, in terms of price, cost effectiveness, everything you could take into account it was good. Everything was uh, everything was clean. There was no issues. 
I think we gave out of the five Airbnb, <coughs> I think we gave three five star reviews and two four star reviews. That's fair. Um, because for me, and I know that sounds really harsh, because what the sharing economy is about is like, if you, if somebody is just like, if somebody does like what they told you they would do, yes, and isn't like a prick, then. You give them a five. You give them a five star. Four tends to mean something's gone drastically wrong. Uh-huh. But it's five me, or bust. For me, four star should be, you've hit par there. Yeah, five is like, because, because for me, so, like, see, see on Uber, if you've got like a four star rating, yeah. you're dreadful. You're a dreadful person. Yeah. Um, I think the Black Mirror, the TV show, talks about this a lot. I don't know if you've watched any of Black I've not watched any of Black There's an episode, this isn't giving anything away, but there is an episode where your, your social status is defined, so every interaction, so I could talk to you, mm-hmm. and I would go away, and your phone literally pops up saying, what do you think of Arm? And it's like a five-star rating. And you you get your average, you're out on that. So I'm like a 4.82 on Uber. Yeah. And I get self-conscious if I get like a 4.91 picking me up. I'm like, well, uh-huh. they must think I'm a low life. Uh-huh. 4.82. <laughs> I'll tell you what my Uber rating is just now. Did you say you're a 4.89? Yeah, no, 4.82, sorry. 4.82. I will lay a check as well. I'll concede that you use Uber more than I do. I use Uber a heck of a lot, which is really sad. It's more because when I'm drunk, I just go for an Uber, whereas you're like, oh, I just want a company in Cote Bridge. Oh, this is going to... What are you at? I'm a 4.85. I'm a 4.88. Mate, you're just such a better person than me. <laughs> that 0. 0.003 difference. Oh, you're giving them five. It's a great chat. This guy had really good chat, by the way. Absolutely fantastic. Mixed. Very, very nice gentleman. I was uh, very. If you're ever in Glasgow, if you ever get an Uber from a gentleman called Maxud, well, he's apparently got great chat. What is the thing? I, um, on Uber, you can check. Um, you can like view a driver's profile before they pick you up. Can they? Aye. And this guy had, uh, he'd done about 3,000 Uber trips and he'd been given 2,000 great shots. And I'm like, what the heck? My lord, that's 67% hit rate. This, like this, this guy was with Billy Connolly <laughs> on the chat. So, um, so I go in and uh, it was, uh, he's, he's an Asian gentleman, but um, he was he's from Glasgow, had a Glaswegian accent. But um, he was wearing like these really short shorts and a polo shirt with right. a collar up, and oh I thought my I'm dealing with a Ned at first. Aye, um, turns Geo, out Geo uh, Aye, um, I mean, and you know what? At first, I was just a bit like, "This is not what I expected." But I was like, "The guys got the guys get great shot. I'm going to see what happens." And you know what? He was absolutely brand new. What was he talking to? Well, um, you don't mind me asking. No, no, he's a. I think he's he lives in the south side now. He's also a personal trainer. He used to work in the police through an East End. So he, sp- he sp- told me all stories all about the East End of Glasgow. He told me about the Masons and, and the police as well. Um, are they in cahoots? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm just telling you what the chat, the great chat was. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was great. And we were going by Parkhead. He asked who I supported. Told him it was Celtic. We started talking about the football. He was a Celtic supporter, yes. And then the South Side, he's, he's bold. He's bold. I know, I know. But I, you know, that way, it was one of those ones where it was the first time that I'd ever looked at a driver's profile and it had set a level of anticipation, which mm-hmm. was something, it was like a totally new experience for me. Mm-hmm. Usually I look at the driver profile and go, he's got good tunes. That's, that's, that's exciting. Aye. He goes in and it's capital FM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was cool. But yeah, the whole air rating thing's a bit weird. Mm-hmm. See, because I could do a totally other episode about that. Uh, because what, what I was going to say... Because you should be able to have... This is just going to outline it very slowly. You know how when you're doing like interview, 
when you're applying for a job and yeah. you get like those psychometric tests. Oh, don't even talk to me about them. And it's not, and you've got the not good, good, very good. Mm-hmm. So good is in the middle. Yeah. And then you can slide it left or right as to whether you think a decision mm-hmm. is good or not good. I think that's the way that rating should work. So that in the middle you've got good, mm-hmm. so you're happy. But then if someone goes above and beyond, you can go to very good. Because for me, five, makes, for me, something that's five star, like... Like a hotel that's five stars uh-huh. isn't just on par, that's one of the best. Uh-huh. A hotel that's five star, you don't go to a five star hotel and it's just like a double bed, a TV with free view, uh, I don't know, like... What are you want on your TV if you're in a five star <laughs> hotel? Just like Sky Sports, BT Sports, or even in uh, Pete and his uh, free view here. Uh, <laughs> a different type of free view. Excuse uh, me. So did not insinuate. I was just asking what you were like. When I when I go to an Airbnb, like the, the Airbnb we went to in Osaka, for example, had um, what did it have? It had a handwritten note mm-hmm. from the people who owned the Airbnb. Cool. I, I get a feeling that a lot of people who own, who own Airbnbs, especially in Japan, send a cleaner in as soon as somebody checks out, they clean it, and then they just don't, they, they're not there for anything, even yeah. if they live nearby, which a couple of them said they did. Um, so they just don't visit it? Because there's no, no need for them. No. It's a hotel. Uh, but, e- but even then, like, like, so this one had a handwritten note from the people who, who owned it. It had, there was just a couple of like wee Japanese sweets there. Um, their guides were really informative. Uh, a wee lonely planet it was, number. A, it was spacious. They had a wee lonely planet number, but they had like their own. Um, for me, that's five stars. That's all I want. Just a, if there's a wee handwritten note. Something above wee, and just beyond. Just a wee something. Something going above and beyond. Because we went to the one in Hiroshima and it was like, it was good, but the sleeping arrangement was a tatami mat floor and a futon right. on it, so it's like, like a couple of inches thick. Yeah, futon. No, is that what you'd book? We we knew that was what it was. But at the same time, you know what your booking isn't going to be a five star experience. Uh huh. Because, well, because it, we had one before it cancelled, um, and it wasn't that. I don't know. There was just something about it that made me be like, this isn't. Like five, five stars. stars. Yeah, totally. So I was like, I'll give it four. I'm happy to give it four. The guy, the guy was the host was really like communicative. He was, he was nice. Um, I think sometimes that makes them panic that they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a psychological thing. Of if you give them, you may not think it was a five star experience, but if you give them a four star and they think that something's gone wrong, oh uh, well, that was like, but that's just what I. Like, I, I, I was just being honest. But at the same time, if you then go look at a hotel or a Airbnb, do you get put off if it's got four stars? Um, well, this is Exactly. If it's, a, if, it's a, <laughs> if it's a hotel. No, but in fact, I'll tell you the review that I wrote. thing is, a four-star hotel is an accreditation. Mm-hmm. No, a four-star on an Airbnb, Airbnb is a review. Yes. Um, so you're not... That, well, that's the thing. A four-star hotel by the tourist board, as you said, it's an accreditation. But if you've got on TripAdvisor and it's got four out of five, then that same four-star hotel, even though it has been deemed four out of five, yeah. if it has four out of five on TripAdvisor, you're like, ah, Is it really a four yeah. out of five? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm 
altså sæbe mange med keys, uh, gonna find the reviewer though, because I, because I feel if I give four stars, if I write a review that's good, people will go, oh, like they'll see why I've done it's that. It's justified. Uh, your B&B, your reviews. Uh, your reviewer typo from Arnold. Uh, yes. Because uh, I can never find it on so whilst uh, you look them up, I'm just going to let the folks know how they can get in touch. Um, we've got our email address up and going, hello at technicallypod.co.uk. We've had a few folk email in, mainly Twitter. Thank you, Twitter, for sending us lots of spam emails. Uh, and um, you can also get in touch through all of our social media. That's at technicallypod. And you know the last way, this is the way we're trying to get folk to kind of communicate with us, is through the Anchor app. Um, I've listened to a few podcasts on Anchor. I don't know about you. I, yeah, I've not. I've not, I've I spent not really. A, I spent a, a wee bit. I spent a wee bit of time going through and just trying to discover a few podcasts. And um, the whole um, call-in feature is really cool. They're, they're all pushing it, mm-hmm. and it's really cool when you listen to a podcast that use it because they just can stop talking, pop on like someone's voice, and then they can respond to it immediately. Uh-huh. Like it's really cool. At the moment, we are recording separately and then feeding that into Anchor on the web. But Anchor have recently announced a wee iPad app. I've got an iPad. I'm oh. thinking potentially a wee microphone upgrade. Oh, bold, bold, bold. That and then, and then we can take, then we can take voicemails mm-hmm. in the pod itself directly. Yes. So this is the best time to get in touch if you are listening. If you've made it through all fifty-three minutes so far, please do get in touch. Now, what we'd we'd love to hear anything from you in, in the realm of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, any funny stories? Any weird stories? Any horror stories? Well, we're happy to hear it. We we love something to chat about. About a banner wouldn't go amiss either. So you know. Get in touch. Aaron, have I filled out enough time for you? You haven't. Yes! Achievement unlocked. uh, These were the two four-star reviews. The other ones were five, so I didn't feel the need to write an awful lot because I've given it five stars for everything. Cool. One of the four-star reviews was because in the Kyoto apartment we were in, everything was like half an hour away. Yeah. And, like... It's, you can't, but see, because an, I, a, an exact location isn't provided before you book. Yep. You can get a rough idea, but you can't get, like, the best idea. So, this claimed to be a great location. It, we went in, it was, I mean, it was, like, sparkling clean. I was going to just say, uh, I was just reading the reviews there, and Aaron has used the term sparkling clean everywhere, uh-huh. which is amazing. Well, you know, what, I've, uh, what I've written. <laughs> sparkling in, clean, too. And four out of five of the reviews, great space, great space, great space, great space. <laughs> uh, Aaron, Aaron, the Aaron loves a, a great space, it's sparkling clean, too. So, that one I just said, very, uh, very clean, identical to pictures, quite far from a lot of major attractions. So I've said that it's, it's nice, it's clean, it's identical to the pictures, so people know that it's like good in that sense. Yep. But then I've said that's the reason I've given it four. Mm. And then with this one... thing is, in Uber, you kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, that's the thing. There you go, there you go. With this one for Misaki in Hiroshima. Misaki, my friend. Uh, it's with a great stay, however, if you're not used to sleeping on a futon or Katami mat floor, it can be uncomfortable. The, the stairs are because it, like, we went in and there was no elevator. It was stairs and they were steep. We um, told we told we were all ninety degrees here. Oh, Edmund Hillary <laughs> would have struggled like me too. Um, and when you're taking luggage up and down them, it's really awkward. So I just said the stairs are very steep and can be awkward for uh, like 
a lot to luggage items. However, in terms of location, it's perfect and sparkling clean. Sparkling clean? That's going to be the name of this podcast, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be calling it Great Space and Sparkling Clean. <laughs> um, but then the five-star ones, I've not given a big one. I've just said Great, great Space. Great Space. And uh, a busy sparkling area. Sparkling clean, And a busy too. area, but quiet at night. Perfect for exploring Tokyo. And... Uh, large by Japanese standards, great touch from Man and Andy. Great uh, touch from Man and Andy, boys. Uh, everything you need sparkling clean to. Uh, Is Man and Andy the ones who did the hand pick note? Yeah. Uh, I like um, that, I like that. So, like, that's how I feel the best way to do it. Uh, Obviously, but Uber, you can't do that. The thing is with Uber as well, is someone going to read through the 2004 star reviews of why their music was a little bit too quiet or uh-huh. the door got was not open for them or whatever. Aye. I think I think fundamentally you need a better way of rating these systems and mm-hmm. stars just doesn't really cut it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like it's a bit like YouTube with the star system, it just didn't really work. No, that's why you've got the up phone down phone uh-huh. it. Yeah. Um, I forgot they can that. Because I remember there was a there was a classic Frankie Boyle joke. Um, which was about the fact that Saddam Hussein's execution video had been posted on YouTube and he was like, I mean, it's just really galling to see. I, I only gave it two stars. <laughs> uh, but I mean, all in all, with Airbnb, with the gig economy in Japan, there were no horror stories. Everything was good. Um, so, uh, uh, You're happy. Rundown, uh. Well, we're running at an hour. We are. I'm going to suggest me and you pull together a few horror stories of the gig economy because we thought it was funny mm-hmm. to pull out what could have been for your trip to Japan. Um, so, Aaron, you found an article from our friends at Ranker. Yes. Uh, not not sponsored, Just they're just friends. Uh-huh. They don't know it, but they are. They are they... friends. Someone, is... someone tweet Ranker and let them know. This is what could have happened with... Uh, if we had used Uber Black. Okay. Um, Take me through it on. Here we go. The first one is, uh, so this, is a, this is an article that Banker has written with numerous horror stories. Uh, the, the second one in okay. is titled The Shooter. Wow. And this really? was on June the 1st this year. Oh, so uh, not that long ago is what you're telling me. An driver shot and killed his passenger after an argument. There appears to have been a conflict. Is what, uh, you don't say, man. My God. Officer Sonny Jackson told CBS Denver. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sonny Jackson. Uh, the next one down, The Strangler. Uh, an apparent racist attack on a woman. Uh, I don't know if she was actually killed. It doesn't, it doesn't claim she okay. was killed. I mean, that doesn't really matter. Uh-huh, the fact is, you someone. could have gotten an Uber and you may have... I mean, that, that could be classed as attempted murder. You could. Um, Uber CEO was apparently outraged oh, at the fact that... that time of the podcast where I get a text message. Apologies. There we go. Um, the fact... Aye, so Uber CEO was apparently raging that Uber got the blame for somebody strangling someone. Uh, someone else... Oh, there was one here that was really strange. Uh, it is with it. Who, an Uber driver who, upon, so a woman upon entering an Uber was shown a picture of herself that he what? had taken of her earlier on that day. No. Um, was he a photographer? No, what? just just an 
Isto é um Milton. Isto é um Pelvin. What? É... And the final one, what will we go for? What are you going for? Hit me with it. Wait, what was this go up to? What one well, this is the one, one that the uh, oh. driver took the phone from the woman in the car and demanded, locked the doors. Because basically what he said, he said, uh, oh, can I just check how much that was? And asked if he could see the phone. Mm-hmm. So he took the phone locked the doors and then turned around with the phone and went, give me a five-star review or I won't let you out of the car. What? Um, no. That's scary, man. Oh, it's terrifying. I just want a normal Uber. Um, I mean, some of these are just... Grim. <laughs> the sidecar predator. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who wrote the names? I know. Ranker, whoever wrote these names, give them not, not a raise. Self-driving Uber car? Elon, is that yours? Self-driving? Yeah, yeah what, mate? Uh, yeah, what, the criminal? <laughs> the criminals, like, lots of these people are criminals. Look at the one, the burper. I'm assuming this is going to be like a Liverpool one. Uh, what? Sorry, terrible podcast content uh, here. We are reading. Uh-huh. So, the burper is, sometimes our bodily functions just escape us, but on February 13th, 2012, Seth Bender <laughs> had no idea his burping in his Uber would result in the driver ranting and screaming about how much he hates Americans and homosexuals. When Bender and his friend exited the car, the driver then proceeded to spit in his face and slap him. <laughs> <laughs> that's a reaction a, I mean, not it's not that. like Bender didn't excuse himself after burping he said he did wow that is an overreaction to first turn around and be no imagine your racist slapped you I know to be racist and uh, homophobic and then physically assault someone but yes. like after spitting in their face <clears throat> uh, so that, that's uber so let's get to the more pressing, pressing issue that we found, which was a uh, Airbnb horror stories. The Huffington Post have written an article. Everybody's titled, friends. Titled "Most Airbnb Airbnb Rentals Go Perfectly." Then there are these horror stories by Harry Bradford of the Harry Post. Harry Bradford. Harry Bradford. I'm an intern at the Huffington Post. Here we go. That time, why are these like Friends episode titles? When there were meth pipes and <laughs> someone reenacted a scene from the shining. No, you need to read this in a dramatic fashion. Uh, no. in the, what? In the aftermath, uh, there were meth pipes everywhere, Dave said of the condition of his apartment to take crunch. He also found holes battered into his closet and axe marks on his door. His computer and birth certificates were stolen too. <laughs> also, this is like a, a guest has done this. Yes. Dayton partly oh, wow. blamed himself for renting to meth users to begin with and was happy to accept 21 complimentary nights on Airbnb. Did that fall? That's horrible. That's like the axe to yeah. the door, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> This is amazing. In Sweden, someone used Airbnb as a temporary brothel. See, these seem to be from guests. Which may have been part of oh, the time so this is like this is like like a host's horror story. Uh huh. Uh, a, a host almost got a huge fine, two thousand four hundred dollar fine against someone for violating the site's illegal hotel laws against the draw of the Airbnb site. The case still highlighted the legal complications of using the site. That so, doesn't really seem like a horror story. That nah, just seems, that's nah. just that's just breaking the law. 
Eh, uh, for example, it's an advertiser on Twitter. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, someone used an apartment as a party house dash party. What? Who's got drunk and tried to hit on a guest's girlfriend. Oh, yes, get, read this, read this. Earlier this summer, this was written in 2014, uh, Business Insider posted a story about how its own employee, Joseph Ballarado, who attempted to stay in the Hamptons with his girlfriend uh, using Airbnb. Everything seemed normal until Finkerb received a strange text from the host around 3am that read, Do you want to try? Oh, mate, ad blocker, mate. You need to use a uh, business insider prime. Let's just go on his wiki. 
Oh my god, he's got a wiki page. A wiki page. Fantastic. Uh, so it took from July to August, but he uh, it was months long. Uh, he got um, he got kicked out, and that is the. Uh, let's see if this just comes up with Hardwalker straight away. Just use that. Hey, you're winning. No, you're not. No, you're not. Um, but he got kicked out in the end. Um, so to wrap up, mm-hmm. well, what I was going to say was, oh, you have to sleep at some point. So what I would do would be when he falls asleep. Get my full family round. Yes. Go in. Yes. Bag over the head. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm done. Okay. Uh, everybody picks him up because let's be honest, you're not going to wrestle a full family if you. Yes. And just uh, you know, pick him up and fling him out the door. Fling him out the uh-huh. door. Wow. Uh, just out the window. Fling it out the window. Well, that is a. Uh, um, that's some sound legal advice yeah, there from Arm. Unless you were, unless you were in a high-rise building. Oh, no, in no. In which no. case, just in the lift and shut the door. Yeah. So that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, Sorted. Well, it's been, a, uh-huh. it's been a beautiful hour and eight minutes. Up. On that really lovely note, we're going to have to wrap things up. Uh-huh. Thank you for listening, everyone. If we have um, entertained you, please do leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes uh-huh. or Apple Podcasts. I'm not uh, too sure what it's called these days. Or if you didn't think we went over and above the usual standards, leave us a, a four-star review. Four star review. And uh, let us know what we can do better because we're always open to any constructive any. criticism. Yeah, but let's just say we're not going to be leaving any handwritten notes for all of our listeners. Uh, no, because we don't know where any of you live. And that'd no. be quite weird if we no, that would be, that'd be a little odd. So, are um, you going to tell the kind folks is how they can get in touch with us? Uh, yes, across all socials. It's at technicallypod and the email address is hello at technicallypod.co.uk Correct, and remember how do you spell technically? Technically. Correct, and that's with two L's at the end. Two L's. Correct. Thank you for thank you for listening, everyone. Um, and we shall speak to you next week sometime. Thank you very much. Bye. Tiki, she's castle theme is about to roll on now. That's why I said sign out because that's about to create challenges. Watch.